Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Soul of America radio broadcast. Tonight, your host and co-hosts are Jr. and Tiki. And in about 15 minutes, Jr. and Tiki are going to join Big Easy, our Bo, with Let's Straighten It Out. Now, tonight's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and sponsored by the Soul of America Radio. The comments and views that's heard tonight do not necessarily reflect the comments and views of Blog Talk Radio are the soul of America Radio. And now, without any further ado, welcome your host and co-host, J.R. and Tiki. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Thursday, friends and families, and welcome to another edition of Let's Straighten It Out with Big Easy. Tonight, Janice and I will be talking to Bo about infidelity part two. If you had a chance to listen in last week, we started the um, series Infidelity, and we'll be continuing that tonight. So without further ado, Bo, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. A little wet and scratchy throat, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that time of year, though, Bo. It was um, cold and rainy here today, and kind of windy. So um, I'm happy about that. This is this is my favorite time of the year. So I was well, I happy like to get in today from the. Uh, yeah. What you say? I said I like the fall, but the rain can go away. <laughs> oh no, I like the rain too. <clears throat> I'm not too put out about the seasons. I um I generally enjoy them as they come. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to get home from the office today and um get the cocoa started. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we and my mother has a way um yeah. I didn't hear you. I said at least we live in an area that has seasons. It changes it's not the same all the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. Because some places you go, is either one or two. You know, you don't get all four of them. So yeah. it is a blessing to live in a region that has all four seasons that are distinctly defined. So what do you have to share with us tonight, Bo, about infidelity? Well, I wanted to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, there's a lot that you can say, and fortunately we had some callers and a pretty lively discussion, and I figured we'd just pick up where we left off and cover some of the things that we didn't get to cover and maybe we'll have some more callers this time or maybe you'll have some questions or responses. But I thought that based on the reaction last week and the fact that we didn't cover everything, we would just pick up where we left off. Okay. The one thing that I think that might have gotten a little bit misunderstood last week when I made the comment <clears throat> that infidelity is always a choice. I think there was a perception that it is something that people are plotting and planning 
and that was not really what was intended. Um, because there are some situations where things kind of sneak up on you. The example that the caller gave uh, about with the work situation, where you spend so much time with the coworker uh, that these relationships develop beyond the boundaries of just a working relationship, and sometimes people are aware of that and allow and encourage it to grow and to develop, and some are kind of blindsided. But at some point during that process, an individual has to be aware that this relationship has gotten to a point where I would say at a crossroads we've got to either go one way or the other, and it's at that point that I think each individual makes a decision as to whether or not they're going to take notice of the red flags and do something to stop it or if they just ignore it and allow it to go on or in some instances nurture that relationship to go on even though they know the potential consequences. So that's what I meant by it always being a choice um, that people at some point have to recognize that the relationship is what it is and they decide they either want to continue it or they decide that they want to discontinue it. Right. Yeah, um, I, I think that was the common theme last week that most people got the understanding or the impression, came away, the, came away with the impression that uh, it was being communicated that, you know, people deliberately plot to have um, infidelities. Now, there are some that do, <laughs> yeah, there are some but that's just not always the case. <laughs> there are some that do, though, Bo. Yeah. It just happens to to not always be um, the case. Yeah. Well, you have some people, you know, infidelity oftentimes is, well, I won't say oftentimes, well, sometimes. It's a pattern of behavior. And you have some people that, that that's just not their nature. They don't want to be committed or they, I think it's, Underneath that is a certain amount of selfishness and self-centeredness. They just want what they want, and they don't think about the potential consequences to the other party. But they are, and I see this more often in men than women. Uh, statistically, is that a lot of times there's no commitment to any one person, and there's no reservations about being intimately involved with several different people at the same time. And unfortunately, some people see that as something to brag about or to not be bashful about uh, letting it be known that they have several people. But if someone, whether it's male or female, is involved with someone like that and they allow it to happen, then they have to assume a certain amount of responsibility for going along with that sort of thing. If you are in a relationship with someone that you care about and you don't have the gumption to hold them accountable to make a commitment to you, then I think you kind of set yourself up to uh, get what you get. Um, now, is it possible, both? is it possible that the, the other person, or how possible is it that the other person may not always know that they're being cheated? I think a lot of times it's, it is not known. Uh, that's fairly common. But oftentimes that's because they just aren't paying attention to the red flags. You know, sometimes people can be too trusting, 
and those are the ones that are the most devastated by an affair because they just have this blind trust in the person that they're involved with, and that person does something to betray that trust. They're the ones that have the hardest time overcoming that because they just kind of allow themselves to be vulnerable and just completely open themselves up in that relationship. And when they get hurt, it's a real deep pain, and sometimes it's hard to overcome. What people need to realize is that infidelity is always destructive to a relationship. It might not necessarily be fatal, but it will always destroy the trust that you had in that person and destroy the confidence that you have, it will destroy whatever security you might have had in that relationship. And sometimes it's impossible for people to overcome it, depending on where they were psychologically, emotionally, and socially before it happened or before they knew about it. But oftentimes um, people are totally unaware of it until it's too late. Wow. Because, you and know, there's a saying that the spouse is always the first to know, or particular, and particularly the wife, but, you know, you just, yeah. I don't, I've never known how true that is. It's just the saying that you hear associated with these things pretty often. Well, what <clears> I think about is that if you think back to the days of our literature, days with the Canterbury Tales and the story about the cuckold's wife, uh, you right. think about the the it's fairly commonly said that the one that's betrayed is the last one to know. And part of that is because the one who's doing the betraying does a good job of covering it up. But the other reason that that happens is a lot of times people... Hello? 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 Hello. Hello. I can hear you. Are we still on? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, As I was saying, is that sometimes people see acts of infidelity and they choose not to say anything, supposedly because they don't want to hurt that person, but it can be more hurtful if you find out after the fact that people that supposedly cared about you knew about it and didn't say anything. And it's not always easy to know when and what to say. And so sometimes people take the easy way out and they just don't say anything or they might throw out some hints and let that person uh, try to figure it out. But I think it depends on what kind of relationship you have with that individual. If you are a friend or a relative, of that person and you know that their spouse or their mate is being unfaithful to them and you have to make a decision about how much you really value that relationship as to whether or not you want to bring it to their attention. Now, unfortunately, sometimes when you do that, people aren't ready to hear it and they don't want to believe it. And sometimes that can damage the relationship with the friend because you're causing that person to confront something that they might not be ready to confront. They don't want to hear it. Hey, Bo, I'm going to interrupt you here for one second because we have okay. a caller at 334. Okay. Caller, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me now? 
Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, I missed last week, um, and I, I made sure I tuned in tonight, um, and I don't know whether anyone has made this comment, but in my experience, usually when infidelity happens, it, it usually, it, it doesn't just always just happen. I mean, it has to be something that's building up or there has to be a, you know, the the one of the, like if you're in a, if you're married, one of the spouses is just not being treated right or they're not getting the attention that they deserve. But if you do not have the Lord in your life, you will stray. I can't speak. For if you if you do have the Lord in your life and you stray, but if if you don't have Him in your life, you you and and, and temptation is there and <clears throat> someone comes along and they're saying all the things you want to hear and they're doing all the things that's not being done. That's when the infidelity really plays a part. That's when it really happens. Well, and one of the also, things that. Well, one of caller. Well, one of the things that came up on our show last week, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was stated that you know, your your personal moral code pays, plays a huge part in it. Like, you know, uh, where are you in your religious life or in your relationship with mm-hmm. God? Um, and the other thing is that sometimes these things do just happen, particularly with men in one night stands. You know, they may not necessarily have left home uh, that night intending to do anything wrong when they went to the club, but it happened. What do you think about cases like that, Bo? Well, I would agree with the caller that it doesn't just happen, even with the one-night stand. I think where you are morally, spiritually, and religiously has an impact on decisions that you make, but even people that are, quote-unquote, in the Lord, can be just as vulnerable if they don't pay attention to some of the red flags and the warnings. The reason I say that it doesn't just happen is because if you find yourself in a situation where you have the opportunity to have an affair, depending on your moral fiber, depending on where you are in your significant relationship, will influence mm-hmm. whether or not you take advantage of that opportunity. So I think we have to strike a balance between people going out and planning to do that and being purposeful about it and people not making different choices when they find themselves faced with the opportunity. Because, you know, there are a lot of people that they will have plenty of opportunities to be tempted, but they choose not to follow through with it. So I think a lot of it depends on how self-aware you are to be mindful of some of the places where you might be vulnerable and what decisions you make when you find yourself tempted. Thank you. Right. Is our caller still there? Yes. Okay. And that I was not uh, saying that it's okay, you know, right. because um, people people end up getting hurt, you know. If you have, if you have kids, they end up getting hurt, mm-hmm. and if, you know, the other spouse is hurt. So I wasn't saying that it was okay. I was just saying that, you know, that is some of the things that makes it happen. Right. Absolutely. And we agree. So, yeah, we, yeah. No, we didn't take it as you were saying that it was okay. 
But thank you so I much for your comment. I think people have that it's always going to be wrong, and there are some situations where people justify it and try to make it right. But when you think about the potential pain and hurt that it creates for other people, then it's going to always be wrong. All right, we're going to take a break here, and we will come back with more Infidelity Part 2. All right, let me give you this scoop with the SOAR programming. Monday nights, we have 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time in the ladies' room with Tiki, J.R., and the brand-new host, Gwen. These sisters lay it down African-American style on an African-American tip. Health, gossip, finger-snapping, head-shaking, soulful talk radio from the divas of the Soul of America Radio. How about Tuesday night, you get those awesome brothers, Tony and Tuke, or T&T. Boom! <laughs> Them brothers lay it down on totally taboo. This show is not for the faint at heart. Join them as they tackle taboo issues live, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. Now, on Thursday, get ready for the one and only Big Easy, or Dr. Bo. As he says, let's straighten it out right here on SOAR, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Thursday. You get to talk to Dr. Bo about relationship issues, or just listen to this brother talk. He is deep. Now, we've got other shows coming up, more hosts, more fun, but you stay tuned right here to the Soul of America Radio. Chris, tell them where they can get some soulful talk radio. Right here on the Soul of America Radio. Man, Big Easy knows everything on the Soul of America Radio. And we're back with part two of Infidelity. And joining us in the studios tonight uh, is my illustrious co-host, J.R. She has arrived on the scene. Janice, you there? Okay. I don't have her yet. <laughs> oh, Bo, are you on? I'm here. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get Janice back in a minute. Okay. You know, as I was thinking during the break, um, Different people have different opinions about infidelity, but even if people can convince themselves that it's okay, to me that gets back into what I mentioned earlier about people being selfish because almost always there's going to be some pain for other people that are involved in that relationship. And typically the person that thinks it's okay is the one that's getting what they want. I think about in our society, we have a lot of people involved in activities that are illegal and in some camps immoral. Now, I think about people that have supposedly open marriages where they make the decision that they are going to accept infidelity and they don't consider it infidelity because they 
each choose to be in that relationship, or you have swingers and uh, some people that get into those type of alternative uh, relationships. What I've seen happen sometimes, even with people that practice open marriages or who consider themselves swingers, or sometimes susceptible to some of the pain that can come with infidelity because sometimes if one party chooses not to follow the rules, whatever their boundaries might be, then it can still create problems with people because deep down inside I think we want people to be committed to us. Even people that say, well, I don't want to be in a committed relationship, they still are vulnerable to feeling betrayed or to losing trust with their person. And so in our society we have so many different things that go against the grain of tradition and traditional values. But even people that decide to practice those type of relationships can still be vulnerable to some of the pain that you encounter when there's infidelity. Well, Bo, I heard you use the term swingers. Do you have and can you go in depth about what that is for our um, listeners? What lifestyle well, that is, or what does it people, constitute? You know, you have people that, you know, a couple or couples, and they, you know, wife swapping, husband swapping. You know, they make a conscious decision, uh, just like you have people that are members of nudist colonies, and they um, do that. You have some people who have clubs. There are clubs all over the place where people make a conscious decision to share relationships. And in those instances, most often it's a purely a sexual thing, but there are situations where people practice what sociologically is called an open marriage, where those two people might be, quote-unquote, in love with each other and in some instances have a fairly stable relationship by common standards, but they make a conscious decision and agreement that they will be emotionally, intimately, and even sexually involved with other couples. Now, sometimes you might have a group of two couples or a few couples, and it's like a small group, but then there are some people that they have these clubs where they uh, practice, you know, open marriages or wife swapping or husband swapping, and that's a part of our society, just like you have um, prostitution and people that are bootlegging and selling drugs. You have um, people that are engaged in things where as long as they are consenting adults, it's not illegal, but some people might consider it immoral. But that's the reality that we have in our society, that there are some people that practice these type of relationships. Wow. So they make a conscious decision to... Uh, borrow somebody else's spouse <laughs> or yeah. own their spouse. Yeah. For and sexual gratification. They have their rules, rules of engagement, for lack of a better term. Uh, and I know several people. Um, I've encountered them when I was in private practice. I've encountered them in counseling. I've had people that I know personally. You know, I'm not. And I was not involved with those type of relationships. I don't choose to swing that way. But I know people personally who have engaged in those type of relationships. And oddly enough, they have rules that they follow, just like some of our crooks and criminals have certain rules that they follow. Uh, These people 
Yeah. For example, it's like you have certain things that they agree that they will and won't do. You have right. certain arrangements where we'll go with this type couple but not that type couple. And this is a conscious decision um, that, you know, people make. And what I've seen in situations like that, though, is if one partner chooses not to follow that rule, um, then it creates problems. And I had a person who um, I found, it's been probably a few months ago, and they were having a situation like that, and the husband was okay as long as he was involved and could watch but if she wanted to be by herself with someone else, he wouldn't go along with that, and he saw that as betrayal. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's okay as long as you know about it and as long as you're there, but it's not okay if if, if your spouse chooses to go on their own. So you have all kinds of weird situations in this world and all kinds of things going on, and oftentimes people uh, don't know about it. And sometimes it might be right around you and you just don't know because um, people that practice those types of relationships, I guess they have ways of knowing or finding out who is okay with it and who is not okay with it. It just so happens that because of my counseling background, a lot of times people will reveal things to me trying to get free therapy because (laughs) 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 they wouldn't necessarily reveal it to other people, but... Yeah, they, they can get a little free counseling. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Sounds like Mo got a, a direct tap into a free hotline. <laughs> but you'd be surprised at what people tell counselors and therapists. And, you know, part of it, I think, because sometimes we just have a way of interacting with people to make them feel comfortable. But sometimes, as soon as someone finds out that you're a therapist, and they want to spill their guts, even when you're not interested. So um, <laughs> They want to just talk about it more. <laughs> yep, they just tell you too much information. I, I'm off duty now. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. But then I think the, the thing that I would like to touch on is what do you do when you find that you're a victim of infidelity? And because that sometimes can be very hurtful. And yeah, what do people, you do, Bo? Well, and does I think a that, does a person um does the person that cheat? And I think okay, I think for women, and and let me ask you this: I think for women, they internalize it as the person um, they're in a relationship with that cheated on them don't necessarily want them anymore. Somehow they're not good enough anymore. They're not attractive enough mm. anymore to cause this person to cheat. But I don't think well, that's necessarily the case. I think it oftentimes people do blame themselves. Like, what did I do? What could I have done different? And in most instances, absolutely nothing. You didn't do anything. You couldn't have done anything different because it was a selfish decision that that person made And until that person is willing to admit responsibility and to exhibit behavior that makes it seem as if they're remorseful and deserve forgiving, 
then people shouldn't blame themselves. But unfortunately, that's what happens a lot of times. They blame themselves. And so you have to be a little selfish and take care of yourself. Um, And sometimes you just have to decide, well, I'm going to deal with this. And you don't have to make a knee-jerk decision and say, well, I want to end the relationship right now. And that's what happens sometimes is out of anger and resentment, people make decisions that they regret later. But the likelihood of that relationship surviving depends on how solid it was in the first place. It depends on whether or not the guilty party admits their guilt and has a genuine desire to to make a change. And it depends on how strong that other person is emotionally to help them to overcome it. I had a situation where um, this guy was referred to me, and he admitted right off that he had an affair. As a matter of fact, my wife only knows about two of them, but there are seven altogether. And this guy was, you know, he was just a hoe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you call it like it is. He had absolutely no intentions of changing. And, the only and this is, that's that, my question. That brings the question to mind, Bo. Is it possible to change? Is it possible for people that do that to change? Yes, it is. And, it's possible, and a lot of people do. But sometimes people don't choose to because they are not held accountable to. Some don't choose to because that's just the way that they are. And sometimes people don't stay in relationships long enough to give it time to recover because that's a long-term process. But this guy had no intentions of changing, uh, and I told him, I said, you know, you are coming here because you are afraid your wife is going to leave you, and the only reason you want to come is not because you want to change your behavior. You don't even see it as being wrong or inappropriate. You're just trying to keep her from leaving. I said, I can't in good conscience play that game with you if you don't have any interest in changing then you're going to have to stand up to her and say you're not willing to change. I'm not going to go through the motions of pretending that you're trying to change when you're telling me up front you have no intentions of changing. And he kind of backed off a little bit and played games, but after a few sessions it was pretty obvious that he had no intention of changing, and that was one of those where I chose to say, when you're ready to make change, then I will be ready to work with you, but I'm not going to see you on your wife's insurance when you don't have any intention of wow. making a change. Uh, <laughs> on his some wife's people have, insurance. You know, have dolls, <laughs> but I think it's possible to change. But it's a long process, and you oftentimes have the most difficulty trying to regain enough trust to survive you know, when there's been infidelity. All right, we're going to take a break here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Soar. Chris, tell them where they can get some soulful talk radio. Right here on the Soul of America Radio.
You know, Bo, something occurred to me right before the break. Mm-hmm. And that's this. If the general consensus is, or the general thought is, that men cheat for sex, and hear me out, hear, me, hear this process out, this thought process out. If that is the position or the understanding that primarily men cheat for sex and women usually go outside of their relationship for something having to do with what they're miss, missing emotionally, mm-hmm. is it possible, like you were just describing this gentleman, that didn't desire to change He still wanted to do what he wanted to do, but he wanted to keep his wife. Is it possible for men then to be emotionally invested in the relationship that they're in with their spouse, but still find it necessary to have sexual uh, relationships outside of that marriage, but have absolutely no intentions of leaving their wives or uh, significant others and genuinely love them. Is right. that possible? You, you're absolutely right. The statistics show that the majority of men is more of a sexual thing and women is more of an emotional and attachment issue. And that's why sometimes, you know, men can, they can really love their wife. They can have intimate emotional attachments to their wife and they can have affairs because it's strictly a sexual thing to him, for them. And that's what it was with this guy. He didn't love these women. He just enjoyed the sex, and he <clears throat> enjoyed the thrill of multiple partners. He didn't think about the risk of STDs and that sort of thing. And even when it was brought to his attention, he felt that, you know, it fed his machoism and it was worth the risk. Now, if he had caught something, I think he might have thought differently, yeah. but it's possible for someone to have emotional attachments that would qualify to be called love, but at the same time able to separate themselves and be sexually involved with someone. Um, because oftentimes women uh, don't enjoy sex or won't engage in that they don't have some emotional attachments. Um, and men uh, typically or not, Wired that way. Now, it's not always anything with either male or female, but the majority of men is more of a sexual thing, is more of an ego thing, a sense of conquest of how many women you can sleep with. And sometimes there is an emotional attachment. And there are some men that are just like women, they have to have some type of an emotional attachment before the sex is involved. But you know, an even more dangerous affair for marriages is an emotional affair where there is no sex because if there's sex involved, sometimes it's easier for the wife to be angry and to get over and say, well, it's just sex. But if right. it's not sex involved and you know that that person is getting their emotional needs met by someone else, that can be more damaging to a relationship than if it was sex because it is more threatening and oftentimes those are the ones that go the longest before they are disclosed, and once they are disclosed, they are the hardest, you know, to... To get past. Right. And so I think that, you know, people have to be mindful of that. And you go through a grieving process. You go through a grieving process 
when you first find out about it, and then that continues. And this is a developmental thing. It takes a while for you to uh, get through that. When you first find out, you don't want to know. You don't want to believe it. You know, no, not me. That's not happening to me. There must be some reason for this happening. That's when people start blaming themselves. What did I do? What didn't I do? And so you go through that period of denial just like you would if you were to lose someone through death, if it's a divorce or some other type of a separation. And once you get through that shock and denial, you know, you get to the anger and resentment. And these things, some people think when you talk about the grief process, they think like, well, except one, two, three, four, five, and then when I get to stage five, it's over. But it doesn't happen that way. It can be all over the board. You can go back and forth between the different stages, and it all depends on the history of that relationship. It depends on the two individuals and a lot of things. But a lot of people get stuck in the anger and resentment, and they are trying to uh, retaliate. Um, I would say that if you think back to the Lorena Bobbitt Incident. She was in anger <laughs> for a pretty long time. <laughs> she dealt with her anger in a pretty direct manner. But some yes, people can go back and forth between those two stages. And once you get through the anger, sometimes people feel that they have to use the anger to deal with the pain and with the uh, depression that comes later with that. So that anger resentment stage can hang around for a while, especially if you aren't convinced that the other person has ended the relationship. And sometimes, I think more often than not, people don't quit right away when they say they're going to quit. You know, right. and a lot of times people are sorry that they got caught. They're not sorry for what they did. They're sorry for that they got caught. And they see how long can I continue to do this before I get called again. And so well, well, Bo, in situations where, okay, a person has gotten caught, you decide to stay in a relationship, um, mm-hmm. you don't leave, um, they said that they're going to stop, you said that you forgive it, but what happens when, if you tell a person, okay, I forgive you, we're going to continue on with our relationship, mm-hmm. but in times of anger, you keep bringing it up. What happens when it keeps showing up after the fact? Well, people need to understand that forgiveness is both a decision and a developmental process. You have to start somewhere, and you start with making the decision that regardless of this person's behavior, I'm going to forgive you for what you did. I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying I'm okay with it. I'm making the conscious decision that I'm going to begin the process of healing by saying, I forgive you. Now, some people aren't willing to even say, I forgive you, until they are convinced that the other person is sorry and they're never going to do it again. But sometimes you have to look at it as taking care of yourself, saying, I was not responsible for your behavior. I'm not going to accept the blame for your behavior I'm going to acknowledge that what you did was wrong, it was painful, it was hurtful, but my decision is to forgive you. Now, the emotions aren't going to come for a long time, and that's why you have this resurgent anger and resentment, 
and you go back and forth because just saying I forgive you doesn't get rid of the pain. It doesn't get rid of that sense of betrayal. It doesn't get rid of the hurt and the resentment. And that's that just as I thought. So yeah. in that case, why stay? If this is going well, to come I up between between the two of you while you go through your healing process, mm-hmm. why stay? Well, staying or leaving depends on one how much you value that relationship, whether or not there are children involved, other things that come into play, and especially if you're married, you don't want to make a rash decision, you know, to divorce because. Sometimes divorce can be more painful and more costly than staying. And then you think about the old Johnny Taylor song, It's Cheaper to Keeper. Some people don't leave because they don't want to pay for a divorce. They don't want to go through the legal expense, and they wait and hope the other person leaves so that they will have to incur that legal expense. But your decision to stay or leave should be a decision that you make uh, based on how much you value that relationship, how much you think you have a chance of it surviving. Because most often, more don't survive than do survive. I think the ones that do survive and that will continue to grow are very few. I think that most of them don't survive because oftentimes once people get caught, they end up doing it again. Um, you know, most of them that I have been witnessed to that I have witnessed and known like I know both people in the relationship when the person when one of the two people say you know I forgive you we're going to move on from here uh, we're going to stay in the relationship they don't it just slowed down the leaving process in my opinion but you know, it's like eventually it falls apart you know what I'm saying but that's part of that is the part of the grief process is you go through the denial, you go through the anger, resentment, and that's when they get into the bargaining. You know, if I don't leave, you'll do so. You're going to stop doing it, and you're going to, you know, show me you love me. And so you're bargaining with that person in hopes that it's going to get better. But you know, oftentimes people have made a conscious decision at that point that they don't really think is going to work, and they make a half-hearted effort to work at it, but because they're not committed to being patient and to do the things to make the sacrifices that are necessary to make it work, then they eventually give up. And I mentioned the, you know two weeks ago about the, how relationships deteriorate. Sometimes people make a conscious or an emotional decision that they don't expect the relationship to survive, but it takes them a while before they leave. I know this couple that um, divorced and continued to live together in the same house. And mm. each one of them had their own second partner, and the reason that they gave for doing that was because, you know, they had paid for the house, and you know they had decided that they weren't going to uh, be in a relationship anymore, and you know they continued to live together for quite some time. They so they became roommates. Yeah, well, they were housemates. Uh, they had separate sections of the house, and they came and went, you know, with their new mates. But and they eventually did move out. But 
Uh, sometimes it's strictly a financial thing, and sometimes one party just doesn't have any desire to commit to it or to try to make it work, but they won't leave. And sometimes the person who has been hurt don't feel that they can leave. So people stay for a lot of different reasons. Oftentimes it's for the wrong reasons. People don't feel strong enough emotionally, physically, or financially to strike out on their own, and sometimes they just stick with it in hopes that it's going to get better. But you know when someone is genuine and sincere about trying to make it work and when they're just growing smoke and they're just trying to, you know, get you off their back and, you know, continue to do what they want to do. But each right. individual has to decide how much they're willing to submit and sacrifice. But it needs to be a two-way street. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Tell them where they can get some soulful talk radio. Right here on the Soul of America Radio. Speak your mind. Dial in and speak with the host now at 323-784-9638. That's 323-784-9638. 9638 This is the Soul of America Radio And even though the man was cheating and started first, 
he felt more betrayed and angry because the wife retaliated. And so I think that how people deal with that depends on how they deal with that type of pain, emotional pain, on a day-to-day basis. Well, you know, underneath it all, Bo, men are basically, you know, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but men are basically Neanderthals in that (laughs) they have this mental block because they want to do it, but they don't necessarily want nobody else sleeping with their woman or having sex with their woman. But, you know, Tika, that's the selfishness, that's the double standard in our society. You know, think about the double standards that we have in so many different instances and that's why it's that way because of the double standards where it's okay for the men to go out and do that but it's not okay for the women. Think about how people respond when they find out about a man cheating and how they respond when they find out about a woman. And I'm surprised that nobody's uh, called in or comment about the most popular explanation for infidelity in this day and age is sexual addiction. The Tiger Woods and all these other folks <laughs> that were, you know, that's just a bunch of baloney. <laughs> yes, so you're, you're going on record as to say there's no such thing as a sexual addiction, both? No, I didn't say that. I'm saying oh, okay. that, yes, there is very valid proof of people being sex addicts, but that doesn't necessarily justify them being unfaithful uh, because, you know, you can be a sex addict and you can satisfy your addiction with your spouse. Right, right. <laughs> so, right, yes, that's a, very, that. that's a very legitimate disorder, and there's a lot of research to show that just like with any addiction, um, underneath that is a certain character flaw. Um, it's a behavioral because we develop habits through repeated behavior, but underneath that is a certain character flaw that makes people susceptible to any type of addiction, whether it's sex, alcohol, drugs, or whatever. But I think that people can't or shouldn't use that as an excuse. You know, right, there and I think in the that, case of uh, we have, <laughs> I believe we, we have, have a caller. Call <laughs> Hello? Yes, Carla, go ahead, please. Yes, um, I just wanted to say that um, infidelity is, it is a, I mean, it's it's just a lot of it going on. And is is there anything that you can can say to the listeners to, um, how do I put this? Is there anything that you can say to the listeners to stir them <laughs> or to give them, like, a wake-up call? Well, you got to think, and I'm going to let Bo answer that question, but if, <laughs> if the thought of a sexually transmitted disease like AIDS killing you is not enough of a deterrent for you not to stray outside of your relationship, then for me that answer would have to be no. What about you, Bo? Well, I... I don't think that most people, you know, are going to be susceptible to being scared because if you don't think about STDs and all these other things, um, if that doesn't discourage you before you get caught or before you get into it, 
Um, I don't think so. Now, the person that might be scared, you know, is the person that probably is not likely to continue to follow through in the first place. But when you think about people that participate in different types of behavior, whether it's infidelity, whether it's alcohol or drug abuse or any of those other addictions, people know what the potential consequences are. And it's just like some of these scared straight programs. They don't work on most kids because, you know, the ones that it works on aren't going to do those things anyway. If they do, it's going to be uh, short term. But because infidelity is not illegal, it's just like with alcohol. Um, There are certain things like alcohol that are not illegal, but they are just as addictive. Think about cigarettes or is probably the most addictive agent, uh, more addictive than alcohol or other drugs. But because it's not illegal, then you're going to have people making choices to continue until they get caught and even after they get caught. So I don't know that there's anything that anyone can say that's going to scare somebody. If the fear of getting caught, if just having enough uh, integrity to know that it's wrong and to choose not to do it, if not wanting to hurt your spouse, if the awareness of the potential for STDs and all these other things won't stop you from doing it, I don't think there's anything that I or anybody else can say that's going to scare these people into being straight. Uh, people that are more susceptible to participating in infidelity have pretty much made up their minds, and they know that the potential is there, and they make those choices. So I can't imagine anything that you could say that would scare someone to the point of um, making them choose otherwise, simply because it's not illegal. It's more of a moral issue, um, and that's why sometimes you find people that are very spiritual, religious, supposedly moral people, find themselves doing things that are immoral because humans are humans. Uh, But I don't think that there's anything anyone can say that's going to scare someone to keep them from being unfaithful. Let me me, me ask this. What would you say to someone that came to you prior to infidelity actually occurring and they made the statement, well, that's what they're thinking about doing uh, or Mm -hmm. that's where they're leaning? What what would be your, your... your advice to them at that point? They, I mean, they haven't crossed any lines, um, mm-hmm. but they're just they're considering it. They're just thinking about it. Well, yeah. what I would do is to get them to look at why are you considering that, you know, and depending on whether they're in a married relationship or they're just dating or whatever, to try to get them to explore what is it that's tempting you to do that? What is it about this person that's tempting you to consider that? What's going on in your relationship that makes you even think about taking a risk of damaging that relationship and trying to get them to look at what's the underlying motivating factor that's causing you to, you know, to do that? Um, and so once you get them to process that, then they have to make a decision as to whether or not they want to do it. Because one thing I try to find out with people is when you ask me a question like that or share that with me, 
what is it that you're really wanting? Are you trying to get me to talk you out of it, or are you trying to get me to condone it and to tell you that it's okay? And so you have to well, try I to think, figure I out. I think any kind of advice is flogging mm-hmm. outside of telling that person, if you're thinking about doing this, go have this conversation with your spouse or your significant other. And if mm-hmm. they have the courage to have that conversation with the person that they're sleeping with already and walk away and still want to do it, then they are hell-bent on doing it. Because mm-hmm. if you can look in the eyes and the face of somebody that you love and tell them, hey, I'm thinking about cheating, number one, that takes kahunas, <laughs> all right? Number two, <laughs> you have to be willing to hurt that person on purpose. You're coming mm-hmm. to say, in all honesty, I'm thinking about cheating. But the fact is, you got there's a measure of callousness there that would allow you to do that. But how many people are going to be willing to do that? Well, if you're not, then you shouldn't be uh, thinking about cheating. Yeah. But I think that people, you know, have to remember that the bottom line is that if you do it, you have to be responsible. And if you're not willing to be responsible, then you're intentionally hurting those people that you're supposed to care about. Wow. So it sounds like that's it for this week's edition of Infidelity. Thank you both for coming out and sharing your thoughts and your insight and your knowledge with us, because Bo knows. (laughs) (laughs) And we will see you all next week, and we'll come up with something. Oh, of course we will. (laughs) If you have any ideas for them, let me know. Uh, I've got some thoughts, but I'm always open to what might be of interest to others. Thanks, Bob. Okay, see y'all next week. All right, bye bye, Bob. Well, Tiki, I finally made it. I see you did. (laughs) Well, came in at the tail end. I'm the caboose tonight, so. uh, But you did a wonderful job. I really enjoyed the um, dialogue between you and Bob.